hours after the city released six different clips of video and audio trying to be uh, transparent about what happened when an unarmed man with car trouble ended up shot and killed by an officer. What's up, everyone? Welcome to Desolation Radio with Dan Nath. Hi, are you all right? Yeah, really good. You're okay? Got a strain again? Sensible jacket? Um, I don't. Denim. Yeah, it's just not raining. Good old I did wear my denim. waterproofs to work. Southwesters. Um, yep. Good. Just high and dry. <laughs> right. Today we're going to be talking about uh, it's a rescheduled, a rescheduled podcast, very long story. But today we're going to talk about policing and protests, and we're delighted to be joined by Mike Harrison, who's a criminology lecturer in University of South Wales. Sound Mike? I'm doing well. <laughs> Both call in the house. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the invite. No, no. It's been a long time. It yeah. has. <laughs> no, delighted. Fan of the show. <laughs> <laughs> we're delighted to have Mike on. Basically, today we're going to be talking about policing, like the nature of policing. Mike's uh, going to explain that to us, because currently you're doing a lot of research with South Wales Police. South Wales Police. We're going to be talking about protest. We're going to be talking about the militarisation of the police. We'll talk about Mike's research in a bit more depth, and probably some other some other weird stuff. So I'm not going to do my I'm foregoing my Melvin Bragg style. And you wrote it out as well, didn't you? Introduction. You've been practicing your calligraphy too. Yeah. So like basically, a, I'm, not, a bill. I'm not going to do it because we want to retain the authenticity of the podcast, which was you know I think was being lost by. Our incredibly slick production. You know, it, was, you know, like, it was becoming too professional and less gritty. Pretty much. We're recording this outside now in the back alley. <laughs> no, the reality is um, it's too disorganised and I sort of uh, <laughs> got upset at my, how bad my introduction was and I'm just going to wing it right. So, going back to, falling back to the old style of just reading out someone else's work, um, we've got the research. <laughs> Tried and tested. We've got the research that uh, Mike has kindly sent us beforehand, which is called. Public order policing, citizenship, and moral ambiguity, which is a guy called Warrington. Peter Warrington. Peter Warrington. I just you, got you, Peter you've got to mention his name, otherwise Peter, he'll, he'll get upset. Peter Warrington, right? He's just certainly known as Warrington. Or, or, he's known as Tank Warrington, actually. Tank. Yeah, he, he likes that nickname. Massive, is he? He's a big guy. He's an really? ex uh, police officer. Oh, it makes sense. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, so Tank You're Warrington. You're almost a fish tank. It's not, a bad, uh, it's not a bad nickname to have. Certainly not a bad one to cultivate. Yeah. No, it's a good yeah. one. Uh, What's yours? I don't know. What anti-tank. Anti-tank. I'm anti-tank myself. Okay. IED. So this article is absolutely fantastic because it, it sort of explains, it gets to the the moral ambiguity, uh, the heart of the heart of policing. So, I mean, I've personally got a quite an interesting, well, it's an interesting relationship with the police. I mean, as a football fan and someone that's um, sort of come eventually arrived at what I would say an anarchist sort of position you know politically it's interesting sort of you know to start getting absorbed in anarchist literature for example and just anarchists you know, absolutely despise the police if you've ever been on a protest you've ever seen a protest the police are the number one enemy essentially in, well along with the, um, to anarchists and that's because and bins as well they throw a lot of bins, <laughs> yeah, bins and yeah and stand on top of bins yeah. <laughs> actually yeah, um, yeah. but you know there's a massive problem with policing and which, you know let, let's be honest extends throughout society in a, in, a, in a big way now especially I mean not just in football you know football fandom but in you know large sections of the left you know the, and that is something that I sort of understand definitely but it sort of sits 
not uneasily, but it, it's because maybe it's because I know a lot of cops because that's what happens if you grow up in a small Welsh town. You just know a lot of people that, that become police officers, and you, I mean, you, and you know they're good guys, good people. And in part, for example, part of the research I do in, in, into education in Wales, one of the questions we ask the kids on a regular basis, what do you want to be when you grow up? And we ask these young kids, like primary school kids, we well, you know, the main thing that young lads and well and girls as well mm. want to be is a I'm cop. <laughs> yeah, but and the, I mean, I mean, call me on but I don't think that these youngsters, when they're eight, want to be a policeman mm. to kick people's heads in a protest. They want to be it because they've still got that traditional sort of view of the police as being sort of protectors of the, the common good, sort of like hero and, and heroes. And so, well, you mentioned um, before on the other policeman episode about that book, that children's book, what was it called? Oh, so I got slated about it. My parents were like, parents listened to the podcast and they were like, you got it wrong. It was, I said it was Burglar Bill, but it was actually Cops and Robbers, so I mixed up my... I actually looked at that on Amazon to link it. Brilliant. Yeah. That. That's that reading. But I mean, it's saying like, you know... <laughs> the reading, the yeah. reading material most weeks is that now, but the extended reading list for that this week will be... It's Mr. Man Mythology. Is it Alan, Janet and Alan Alberg, Cops and Robbers. Which it, is, <laughs> it? it is probably the best. It's the Latin Burglar Bill. Maybe that you know, yeah. maybe those children's books have sort of formed my views of the police. Who knows? But it's interesting if you look at like if you look to the states. Obviously, this this is a. I know that now why I write those introductions out because they're a bit more focused. <laughs> um, look at the police in America now. The situation with got Black Lives Matter reacting mm-hmm. to some of the horrific events that have happened, like in, in America. The flip side of that, straight away, you've got this counter movement like Blue Lives Matter, sort of these sort of middle class, mm, white, you know, <laughs> but, but, but these middle, you know, the, you know you've got a, a counter movement of people who are like, I would dare to say, if you had that demographic would be largely white, suburban and middle class. Mm-hmm. Um, all Lives Matter as well. All Lives Matter. No, lives, no matter. lives Matter, which I'm a big fan of. And in that, No Lives Matter, yeah. So, the nihilist movement. But, it, <laughs> but, in, but within what's happening in America at the moment, you can see, the complete dichotomy and how the police are viewed, you know, like evil on the one hand, sort of saviors on the other. And this article, Warrington, is amazing because he says, you know, firstly, let's look at the how weird it is to be to be a policeman. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the police officer is duty bound to act in ways that he says are, would be exceptional, objectionable, or illegal if done by someone else. Mm-hmm. You know, police officers can legitimately intrude into the privacy of others. You know, they can be. They can just walk up to someone they don't know, say, give me your papers, who are you, what are you doing here, you know, and demand that they give an account of themselves. You know, it's, it's unimaginable that anyone else could do that. And so what he says is that police routinely act in ways, because, because police routinely act in ways that other citizens wouldn't dream of doing, means that he says policing is inherently precarious. So the authority that the police have, that the individual officer has, is underwritten by the fact that the police officers are monopolists of force in civil society. So, you know, there's this assumption underpinning it that they're doing it for the greater the, good, the greater mm-hmm. good, right? You know, ha- however, you know, if and when the police resort to force, or, you know, you get arrested or something like that, you know, the legitimacy of their actions is always caused into question. People, you know, what gives you the right to do that? You know, you're just, people say you're just a badge and things like that. You know, um, but this comes back to this idea of who the, at the core of the police, I think, Warrington says is that it's who they're perceived to be serving. So when police move, like tackle in their order, let's say the crime fighting, that's what he says, mm-hmm. and it is crime fighting versus police and order. So criminals are considered to be outside the moral community. You know, by committing crime, 
whatever and preying on everyday citizens they're seen as you know standing outside society and that's that's why they yeah. get sent to prison you know and that's why when police act against what we'd say ordinary decent ordinary criminals drug dealers mm-hmm. you know rapists murderers all you know all the, the classic bad bad things that you know the police are on our side aren't they you know like yeah you know um so that's the sort of almost like the straightforward mm-hmm. definition of policing is it the problem comes and the legitimacy of the police is mainly called into question or what it, what it says one of those problematic things is in police in public order so it's basically you know think about he says think about the common criminal from political protesters and for example pickets he says it's you know it's not the case that criminals break the law and protesters don't you know because it says protesters routinely break laws that are in place for you know gathering and you know, vandali- you know vandalization of property things like mm-hmm. that albeit even if it's unintentional but he says what distinguishes police and the public order from regular crime fighting is that protest is a con- conspicuous act of citizenship and that people who are on political protests are citizens they're not ordinarily criminals and moreover in this country like in Wales UK and America you know protests and exercising your democratic right to assembly and things like that is considered a fundamental human right yeah. You know, it's, and it's certainly considered a part of what you know makes this country great is you mm-hmm. know, the right to do these things, and it's what distinguishes like the state in liberal democracies from like oppressive states in yeah. like the third world or, or, or whatever. Um, this is the global south, now, the third. The global world. south, sorry, that's a problematic. Uh, yeah. <laughs> use. So, so what you're saying, you know, the the protester is actively participating in a moral community. You know, it's a it's principled, um, and so. Therefore, policing, how the police police citizens who are involved in protest is one of the hardest things. Is it is. It is, you know, and, and the idea of this, um, you know, what, what Waddington speaks about this, you know, this uh, conspicuous uh, citizenship, you know, this, this collective group of people that are, um, you know, uh, protesting about a particular issue, you know, most in society would kind of look at it and think, well, hang on, you know, they've, they've, they've got a point to you, you know, and especially in Wales uh, during the sort of industrial uh, disputes and strikes, uh, you know, in, in the um, 1980s, you know, uh, there was a lot of people in Wales, you know, who were in support, you know, of, of the miners. Um, whether they chose to support them or not, you know, would be another sort of question because, I suppose, of the danger of... Um, of being picked up for it, but but yeah, you know, you know, yeah, the, the, there there's this kind of um, a lot of support whether people decide to actively participate in protest. There would be, you know, some kind of um, you know support for uh, for a protest because of the message you know it is trying to uh, uh, convey. Yeah, so you know, basically, people are, you know, a classic example is obviously the the Maya strike in the eighties in Wales. Yeah. you've got a group of people who are you know rightly in in my view and I'm sure most people's view uh, are view, yeah. defending. You know, you know, they're sticking up for their community and they're just defending their job. So you've got a fundamental tension already in between like the state and the citizen, whereby you know the, the miners, for example, you, to come back to this example, are essentially standing up for the common good. And you know, yeah. the fact that the police are suppressing them, and obviously in the miners' strike, they, the police were mobilised and used quite significant violence against the protesters. You know, obviously, yeah. and the security services were involved in bugging the, the mines and things like that. You know, you've got the police sort of beating, breaking heads of 
moral, good, engaged citizens who are trying and to it, it, take, it takes away that kind of view that, that, that the police are supposedly um, impartial. Yeah. You know, because when, when you see that, whether it's, you know, from the 1980s or, or whether you see it from... From other sort of more sort of like modern day protests, like the G twenty in two thousand and nine. You know, when you see you know that, and you think, well, you know, how how, how are the police uh, remaining impartial? You know, in, in those situations. So it's a, it, I mean, it's these events, isn't it? I mean, the, I think that one of the interesting things about these events, like um, a lot has been written about Thatcherism and mm. how Thatcherism, you know, was actually a defining moment for devolution because. The way Thatcher treated the working class and whatever, and because you know, sort of basically undid the sort of cohesion that people had, it and undermined the belief people had in the state. Because, mm-hmm. but it wasn't people. People say that about Thatcherism per se. Yes, she did make Wales poorer, and yes, mm-hmm. she did make Scotland, North of England, poorer through her industrial policy. But the police are the face of Thatcherism. Are the police are the Absolutely. face of the state? And if it's not for the sight of some copper smashing a miner over the head with a truncheon, mm-hmm. then that almost like shock moment. She's on record of calling the miners uh, the, the enemy within. Yeah. yeah. You know, fellow um, sort of British citizens, you yeah. know, the, the enemy within, you know, which is a, is a remarkable thing to say. So how, the police, so how the police, especially if there's a moral, you know, if, if there's a, a massive moral weight of public opinion behind mm-hmm. protests like the miners' strike, the poll tax, you know, yeah. things like that. Yeah. How the police police these protests, the tactics they use is actually central to them maintaining their legitimacy, isn't it? In, in Absolutely, yeah, yeah. You know, it, it really is about them. It, it, you know, as as I'm sure anyone can can imagine, when policing uh, protests, it's obviously different from other forms of policing in the sense that you have a mass amount of police, you have a mass amount of people. It's visible. You know, especially especially these days with um, uh, people filming on, on mobile phones, you know, it, it's accessible, you know, and if there's mm-hmm. a slip up, you know, it can be on YouTube uh, within, you know, a couple of minutes. Well, that's what happened in Thomason, isn't it? I mean, it had yeah. somebody just like not randomly be filming, like, Absolutely, well, it wasn't yeah. part of the protest either, it was just like no, a no, newspaper vendor heading home. That guy got no, off. No, no, yeah, 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 Tomlinson wasn't, you know, and, and the yeah. person filming him um, was just there, you know, well, what's going on here? You know, I'll, I'll just record him on my laptop. Tomlinson was going, oh, I've had a good day. I hope I don't get killed by a police officer. And then, boom, <laughs> it happened. Uh, it was pretty yeah. mental. I mean, I don't, that, that dude did get, the, 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 I don't think the cop, did he even lose his job or anything? He did lose his job. He did lose um, his job. He, he, he got acquitted for him. with no pay. <laughs> No, yeah. no, no, he, he, he was tried for manslaughter, but, yeah. but, you know, he was acquitted of that, but, but had, then, had but had then he did lose film, his job. You know. What evidence would you have against them? Just a bunch of people's words against, like all his uh, police comrades. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about this later when we come on to talk about Mike's research. One of the interesting things that Warrington talks about in this, you know, firstly is this, it is, and obviously this is something that you will directly have experience of, Mike, mm-hmm. is how, you know, is the police's perspective in this? You know, so it's interesting to think about another classic example is Hillsborough, isn't it? You know, so I don't, yeah. know, if you, I don't know if you've seen the, um, the, the documentary that came out recently with Paul Metal was in uh, the documentary a lot. He's three or four people with Hasbro. Um, but I mean, if you, I mean, if you've seen that documentary, I mean, it's most it's one of those hard things I've ever seen in my entire life. It's just, I mean, it's absolutely appalling. But what's interesting to see is that one of the the issues is how the police viewed well, football. Yeah. The police viewed football fans, not just the police. You know, the police were just reflecting, I guess wider norms now football fans the, were construed by society the, the 
the, the mindset has changed, you know, in the sense that they're in Hillsborough, it's it's the late 1980s, in the decade of football hooliganism. Golden you know, age. You know, <laughs> the golden age of, of, of football hooliganism. Um, where the emphasis is very much on, right, you know, we've got X amount of Liverpool supporters, X amount of Nottingham Forest supporters, but, but mainly Liverpool uh, supporters uh, attending this, you know, a few years earlier, you had the Heisel disaster yeah. where Liverpool fans were blamed. You know, that, that's still sort of fresh in the mind. Um, and, and the emphasis is very much on, right, there's going to be no... Um, uh, football hooliganism. There's going to be no disorder caused by football fans today. It's a semi-final of of, um, of the FA Cup, you know, and, and um, you know that that was very much would have been covered within the briefing. Phil Scraton, you know, who's yeah. done an extensive work on on this, you know, mentions it in the first couple of chapters in in his book, the the truth. But the, the emphasis today, uh, which I think perhaps we'll speak about a bit later on with 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 my own research, is. Um, is putting this kind of um, this this safety, you know, yeah. uh, if if it's a football event, if it's a sporting event, or if it's, uh, I suppose, any event, you know, safety uh, of people who are at this public event uh, is the key thing that is emphasised. Warrington is talking about um, sort of the evolution of policing yeah, and how it's sort of evolved, how the police have sort of changed in their treatment of sort of protests and things like that, and that's really interesting because it's about how. You know, the British state is one of the most, you know, Gramsci always talked about the British state as being like almost, if you like, one of the cleverest states because he didn't, whereas like he looked at Russia and it was like if there was a public protest, whatever, that would just be brutally suppressed. <laughs> and what happened when you do that is that you, you'd lose any of any consent that, you know, you'd lose the yeah. support don't you, of the citizens. And so Gramsci always said that the state in the West, he called it like the UK, the US were a lot smarter because they sort of got their citizens on site. And one of the things that would have been achieved through would be, you know, the police as the sort of obvious face of the state is how they treated protesters. But Warrington talks about how this evolved in the UK. And he was like treating rioters and protesters as, you know, whether you treat them as an enemy or whether mm-hmm. you see them as a policeman, as a fellow citizen, that you're like going to sort mm-hmm. of calm down. He says, um, it was one of the considerations that motivated the established, I don't know why I'm laughing, motivated the establishment of professional police force in the early 19th century. He said, when the yeomanry charged the unlawful gathering in St. Peter's Field near Manchester in 1819, casualties weren't enormous. So this was Peterloo. And 11 people died and dozens more were injured. Um, so only 11 people were killed by the police. Um, There's a crowd of 80,000 as well. So but he said, but it, could hardly be, it could hardly be described as a slaughter when compared, for example, to the Gordon riots of 1780, where civilian casualties exceeded 400, which is just mind-blowing. You know, yeah. just mm. cops going well, in, cutting them up. Or it, would, it would be a good um, perhaps a point that it was actually soldiers used because you the yeomanry, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, yeah, police police force then, did you? And then you guess this comes to the discussion of how the face of the state as you know an army or soldiers are seen to protect the state from perhaps outer forces and it's about contradictory for them to do mm-hmm. inner forces as well yeah so you know back he says that back in the day public opinion was sort of outraged the fact that fellow citizens were treated like an enemy mm-hmm. and you know hacked hacked to death indiscriminately and that is one of the you know this in the, what he says is probably the key difference between domestic policing and you know, the, mili- the, the military is how yeah, they yeah. is how citizens are treated so I mean the militarization of the police is is interesting, isn't it? Because it's something that's sort of crept back into 
you know, is people are starting to think about it a lot more, particularly if you see the photos from Standing Rock and the mm. and the sort of pipeline dispute that's going on in in Dakota in America at the moment, and you've got you know American police with hum, armored Humvees and full body armor, you know cops doing Overwatch, you know, with the sniper rifles looking at unarmed protesters. I think one of the interesting things about the, the when people complain about the militarization of police, maybe it goes beyond the body armor and things like that and the, yeah. and the equipment yeah. and maybe it goes towards <clears throat> this almost the, the change in it just that is almost the yeah. manifestation of a change in relationship where the police are viewing but certain types of people certain segments of society as enemies as opposed to fellow citizens yeah but within the US specifically um, you know mention of the militarization of the police Sometimes it is literally military equipment. Oh yeah, it is. Yes. It has, so you know, there's that angle as well. Not that. Well, just well you have the National Guard, don't you, yeah. uh, in in the United States, yeah. which, is, which is a kind of militarized uh, version of the police, which other European countries have. Um, Get the army. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Which um, Canadian Mounties as well. Which uh, <laughs> which we we don't have uh, in this country, but yeah, you know. Um, to go back to what Dan mentioned about this militarization of the police, uh, there is this kind of there's two different views, you know, of what you know that encompasses, you know, and, and you mentioned about you know one view could be you know the kind of like body armor, you know, the sort of uh, extra kind of um, paraphernalia that you know, they have to you know hit someone, you know, uh, a baton or, or whatever it may be, and, and you have that kind of image, you know, the kind of Robocop image. Um, and then, in contrast um, uh, to that, uh, you have the view which actually uh, Tank uh, Tank Warrington speaks about. Who um, <laughs> was at Standing Rock, wasn't he? Which uh, he says is uh, you know the, the more kind of disciplined, organised uh, police that you know has some kind of you know strategy and, and tactical approach when it comes to policing uh, uh, public order. And um, you know he, he was sort of you know writing you know doing the sort of decades of discontent in the 70s mm. and 80s where uh, you know he said something needs to be done you know in the sense that you know the police do need to have a a plan when it comes to uh, uh, policing uh, public order so talking about the, mi- the militarization of the police which i think is an interesting way of, sort of developing the welsh angle here so he mm. says that you know not all policing he says maintains this clear distinction between the police and the military and he says the more this line is blurred between the police and the military is indicative of a fundamentally different relationship between the state and the population. For example, the way the police treat the black population in America, the way they've rocked up the uh, indigenous protesters now in mm-hmm. Santa Rock, is also indicative of a fundamentally different way of how the police view those yeah. segments of society. Yeah. For example, it, um, we only have to look close to the home and look at how the police, you know, people, you know, there's people that claim, oh, Northern Ireland is a full part of the UK, um, and Northern Irish people are full citizens of the UK, but you know, on the other hand, you know, the British Army shot dead, was it 14 mm-hmm. protesters in in Derry, you know, um, and that, can you imagine that possibly happening in on, in the mainland? Manchester. But it, it, it wouldn't happen, would no, it? No, no, absolutely not. And no. it's because of the fundamentally, the way that, yeah. the, the, you know, that they didn't mm-hmm. view those protesters, you know, mm-hmm. the Irish, as full citizens. Even when, you know, even in, in 985, um, you had a, a riot of disturbance in, in Broadwater Farm uh, in, in North London. And I, I, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. when PC Blakelock yeah. w- w- was killed. Um, but, but even then, you know, you had reports of people on Broadwater Farm shooting the police. Uh, you still, you, you didn't have the kind of shooting back response. Yeah. 
you know, and, and there's a variety uh, of, of reasons as to why that was the case. You, you know, this whole kind of you know Im- image of um, the British Bobby. You know, the the kind of um, you know that, that that had to be maintained, even in even in those uh, even in those circumstances. I mean, there's a lot more to it. You know, what happened yeah. at Broadwater Farm. Yeah. You do have to kind of look at the kind of you know structural uh, uh, circumstances uh, within that, but uh, but. You know, if it happened in in the states, for example, you know, n- no doubt, you know, you would have had um, an armed, you know, uh, kind of quick Some form of response. Yeah, yeah. Well, it did with uh, Black Panthers and Fred Hampton. Yeah, they yeah. Sat, they executed them, didn't they? Yeah. So the interesting thing about you know, I think maybe through policing, you can maybe discern. I I would maybe say that the Wales's position within the British state, you know, and vis-a-vis policing, you've got mm-hmm. a tradition of. Rioting in Wales, you know, we had yeah. the the Chartists, didn't we? Um, yeah, the Rebecca riots before the Chartists, Newport uprising, Merthyr uprising, Clenetley riots. Yeah, you know, you've got so even you know back in it was nineteen eleven, Clenetley was. Yeah, yeah. So even back in nineteen eleven, you've got was it well, the Tonopandy riots? Tonopandy riots, yeah, yeah, the year before in nineteen ten. But you've even so even even you know within the twentieth century, and in Clenetley, let's not forget, you've got a Welsh man shot dead by. Yeah. the British state, you know, yes. and that you had two, you had two, two people shot, you know, uh, at, at that, uh, um, you know, uh, riots. Or, or ra- rapidly googling this now to check I'm not. Uh, no, yeah. no, 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 you're, you're right. There were two people uh, shot and, and killed. Which is which, uh, you mean, which really isn't made much of in Welsh history. No, really. and if you consider no. um, one of the one of the interesting periods in, you know, obviously history goes through sort of different stages, doesn't it? And, and one of the epoch, you know, you know, pre World War One, there's this massive history of, you know, rebellion within the UK. You have, I forget what year it was, but you've got tr- uh, the Red Clyde side, you've got armoured vehicles and tanks on the streets of Glasgow, mm. suppressing, you know, not not, not shooting, but you mm-hmm. know, uh, a militarised response to mm. sections of society in Wales and Scotland. Um, and obviously, it's always been go- ongoing in Ireland. Yeah. But it's interesting to see, you know, how as Wales is relationship with the British state being affected, you know, I mean, I don't think it's been explored enough, for example, you know, the role of, I said before that Thatcherism and, and the response of the heavy hand response of the police to Welsh miners may well have contributed to how British people view, uh, to how Welsh people rather viewed their own position within the British state because it's, well, hang on, they're not standing up for us mm. anymore, they're not on our side. Yeah. But it might be interesting to, you know, if you, there hasn't been enough work done on Athlete and the Chartists and the Rebecca riots to consider how these episodes and how they're policed maybe had a direct impact on sort of Welsh politics yeah, and yeah. how because you know that, that these things are definitely catalysts, aren't they? For no, they, yeah, they, um, they, for yeah. how political movement will will progress and how you know, you know if, if these yeah. policing you know policing radicalizes people. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's all these are always the catalysts, aren't they? No, it's when um, when when I speak with my students. Um, about the Clatley riots and about the, about the Tonopandy riots, you know, and uh, we you know we get onto like you know Winston Churchill's role in that, and then they kind of you know view they kind of like view on Winston Churchill as like this kind of some kind of you know this heroic great this, hero yeah yeah, yeah you know, this great speaker which you know he was but um, but uh, he but but they don't kind of look into you know his role you know in in the sort of decisions made you know in Clatley you know and his kind of um, uh, his, his view of that was very much, you know, uh, if, if if I was, you know, pulling uh, or calling the shots here, you know, I'd I'd, I'd go in a bit more heavy-handed, you know, <laughs> and uh, 
you know, and, and whilst people just just don't kind of realise that, I know I don't want to sort of turn it into into sort of you know no, by all means, a criticism <laughs> of, of of Winston Churchill, but oh, no, but, but but you know, when I tell my students about about that, they they're like perplexed and like, wow, you know, this. But he's on a he's on a banknote, <laughs> and now he's on a banknote, yeah. and now he's on a banknote, which you know again is. <laughs> Is, is incredible. So the, yeah, so the question is whether or not that was indicative of the time of how the Welsh were actually viewed yeah. within the British state, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, not a historian, maybe that's something we'll pick up in a later episode, but you know, it's, it is interesting. You obviously, a few years later, the Welsh are sort of loyally signing up to, you know, go and get slaughtered yeah. in their thousands in France, of course. But it's interesting to think, you know, you know there's only three years yeah. before in, in Tlenathli that, you know, they're being, they're being shot by the same forces that they then mm-hmm. sort of join up. Um, so it's a really complex. Spies, isn't it? Like, whoa, do that. <laughs> but it's a complex. It's a complex issue. And um, what is interesting, we've spoken about this briefly in other, I think, in the other podcast. But um, in the miner, how in the miners strike in certain parts of uh, the country, the police didn't tend to be local because mm-hmm. there was a perception that local police may be too sympathetic to. Yeah, yeah, but they, 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 and, and this this still happens today. But they would have drafted in. Because of the kind of the the um, the major sort of issue it was, and the number of people per Pinkerton, they would have drafted in other uh, police forces. So so the Met, you know, for example, uh, would have would have um, come across uh, here and in South Wales and, and help. Well, I don't know whether help is the right word, but police, <laughs> but but police uh, the um, you know uh, the, the, the the pickets. So uh, yeah, and, and that still happens today. You know, it could be the case that. Uh, well, actually, I, I know this for sure. That, but in the 2011 um, riots, uh, it started off in London, but the, the, you know the kind of sort of English uh, riots. You know, you did have uh, officers from South Wales, you know, um, policing uh, getting the overtime. Getting the overtime. Yeah. Getting in the overtime. You know, I've back time. With No, but yeah. So, but that was that was that more of a manpower thing as opposed to yeah. But isn't it like taking a different angle on this, saying about you know. Um, almost like a different country policing another and then not feeling part of the British state or people from their home country policing other people from the same country. Do you know that Stanford experiment where they got loads of students and made them play roles yeah, prison yeah. guards? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Isn't that perhaps part of it? It's like, I put on the uniform, I'm not from this community anymore. I'm well, here to... I mean, that's probably a cultural thing of I mean, going into the psychology of the police. No, you, yeah. Obviously, you'd be better placed to... I, I, I think with that um, it, it probably yeah it probably wasn't an understanding of of, uh, of the community you know you, South Wales um, police you know you probably had uh, those that worked in the police that perhaps they were friends with miners uh, yeah. and they could understand you know uh, what they were going through you know perhaps you know although they are supposed to remain impartial perhaps you know you did have some who were kind of thinking well it, it's unfair you know this this uh, you know the things that were happening at, at the time um, whereas in London, you know, you obviously don't have mining communities. You have industrial communities, the East End of London, yeah, of course, you know. Yeah. But perhaps, you know, you, you just don't have that same kind of um, uh, sympathy. But within within policing more generally, is there a work on that explores the cult, the culture of policing? You know, maybe per se, and how once you become a police officer, like how you yeah do you change or do you? There is, yeah, yeah, there is um, research um, by Simon Holdaway um, that kind of looks at the culture of policing. And, and, and the, and the, the dude that was a cop and yeah, uh, yeah, he did the kind meth- of methods, yeah. yeah, he did this kind of retrospective yeah. uh, 
Uh, you say like a milk list. You know, ethnography uh, of, 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 the, of the Met Police. Mm. You know, and, and yeah, he does talk about, you know, this, this, this canteen culture, you yeah. know, this, this particular, you know, view and image of the world, you know, who are the criminals, mm. you know, you know, what, what are the kind of, you know, social uh, characteristics, you know, and, and from that, you know, you kind of had this idea of, um, you know, institutional racism. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, before, uh, before you, I think he published that book, in the sort of early to mid 80s, but, you know, a year or two before that, and of course you had the Brixton riots in 1981, yeah. you know, and, and the, the whole kind of, um, the kind of trigger uh, for that was the, uh, what was known as Operation Swamp, so this, this operation by the police where uh, they would, you know, target members of Brixton community, um, you know, to kind of cut down and sort of anti-social behaviour, drug crime, and, you know, uh, the majority of the people stopped were uh, black men. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and this, is, and this is kind of view, you know, that, that um, if you were black in Brixton in 1981, you were a criminal. Mm. And that's just permeated the whole culture. Of yeah, the, yeah, yeah, it, it was just kind of believe, you know, you, you, you joined the police and, you know, you, you'd have this particular view. Yeah, you would, you would describe that as like this kind of canteen culture. But if, I mean, this is sort of deviating, I know, but it's, it is interesting. So, I mean, obviously the, the police have taken significant steps, you know, to erase these things mm. and to promote, you know, a more ethnically diverse police force, especially we're talking in London, not Wales now, but obviously there are parallels with the Lynette White murder case in Cardiff. Mm-hmm. Um, Lynette White, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I've, I mean, I've, I've not actually got around to reading that mm-hmm. book yet, but I mean, it's quite clear that there was institutional racism in, yeah. South, in South Wales police as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but in London, you've still got to stop and, you know, they've done away with stop and search recently, haven't they? Well, they've kind of tightened Fudged it a bit, the, the, the law on it, but um, it's slowed down peak. It's uh, <laughs> it's covered in there's so many like stop and search pieces of legislation. You know, it's ridiculous. Uh, you know, uh, there's an argument being made that in, in the kind of build up before the 2011 uh, riots that there were people being stopped in a certain piece of terrorist legislation, effectively stop and search. You know, terrorist legislation yeah. that was used. Um, and, and, and that kind of contributed towards the kind of general sort of feeling, whether it was in Tottenham or, or, or yeah. other parts of London. So, yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot of uh, stop and search legislation. Well, it's hard to keep up to date with it. Well, it's interesting now in terms of, you know, you said how a lot of this is based on the institutional culture of the police and how the police view certain se- sections of society, mm-hmm. how that translates into how they treat certain people compared to other people. So there's that statistic, isn't there, in, in it's something like... Um, in America, you know, white people who are stopped with mm-hmm. drugs are likely to just be released, yeah. whereas that uh, that will massively if you know, black mm. black men will are disproportionately yeah. likely to be incarcerated for the same crime. Mm-hmm. It was uh, quite a good article on Jack Jack in this, uh, this uh, dude, this black professor, was saying that you know one time he was uh, driving along in like um, three police cars. Um, Oh, a police couple of months. said, like, you know, I'd left my identification back in um, the university. I didn't have my driver license on me. And they're like, oh, sorry for bothering you. Because he was saying that there's actually a class element into it as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're more working, you're working class mm-hmm. and black, then you're seen as more as a, of a target. But the distinction between, like, say, being a, a working professional, yeah. like a professor, and you know that that comes into play as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and you do actually see well, you saw that in, in, during the industrial disputes in the nineteen eighties in, in, in the UK. We you know where, where you do kind of have this um, um, sort of image where uh, the the police again trying to 
present this image of a bit remain and impartial. Clearly, it didn't look that way. You know, when they're allowing uh, I don't know lorries to drive into factories or, or whatever it may be, and generally not being nice to those that were picketing. <laughs> so, I mean, well, again, this is another issue, but it'll be interesting to see how police treatment of the Muslim community in the UK will mm-hmm. will impact on that particular set mm-hmm. of relationships because you know just like it did with you know the Irish in yeah. in uh, the 60s and 70s in London mm-hmm. and things like that all right so we've sort of skirted around it a bit public order Mike how has that evolved like you know in in the UK extensively <laughs> extensively so we've moved on from Peter Lou obviously <laughs> hacking people to yeah. death with the yeoman you get the yeoman or you get a posse yeah <laughs> get a posse get a boys well, well yeah I mean it, well, exactly that you know it, early part of the 20th century you know you, you still had you know uh, kind of the, uh, the military called in uh, to quell uh, yeah. disorder thanetically you know we yeah. mentioned earlier on uh, you know you had the uh, the Worcester Regiment yeah. uh, which apparently um, Worcester had this uh, this this reputation of um, I, think, I think they call it I think, I think um, uh, at the Boston Massacre they, they were called uh, the the, the um, the vein breakers or, or something uh, words to that effect you know be, because of because of who they were uh, they, they they were kind of they were ruthless yeah. you know uh, they, they were called in you know to uh, to sort of uh, as I said manage the situation in Thletley, which ended up you know in, in two people being killed but it's changed extensively you know even in the kind of let's say from the 19 you know 70s onwards where you do start to see a bit more sort of discontent you know mainly to do with uh, changing sort of industrial uh, world uh, where the police were policing in a way which perhaps was a bit disorganised and not really much uh, thought behind um, the approach where so, so, so you have that and you have a major sort of incident in 1972 at Saltley Gates uh, where um, again it's a picket you know, there's a strike by the National Union of Miners, which is called, you know, due, again, due to the kind of sort of pressing, uh, pressing issues. And, you know, on that occasion, you had other flying pickets, you know, so other kind of, let's say, industrial workers joining in, you know, at Sotley Gates to help further the cause, you know, of, of, of what was going on. Uh, the police were overwhelmed, you know, um, and, you know, that was kind of seen as a victory, you know, for uh, the, the pickets on that occasion. Uh, so you know, slowly but surely, you you see a change in policing in in, in the sense that um, it does become more organised. From uh, actually, from we mentioned him again earlier on, PC Blakelock, when he he got uh, killed uh, in 1985, uh, you start to see this kind of development of um, you know, the police developing a strategy, the police having you know particular tactics in place. You know, and um, it being managed, you know, uh, as an operation. Yeah, like control rooms and things like that. Yeah, right? yeah. So any 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 type of policing of, of of an event, you know, whether well, uh, you know, if it's a protest, you know, it, it it will usually be sort of termed as an operation. Yeah. You know, uh, they'll they'll um, there'll be a kind of a mainstream sort of strategy uh, in place. You know, how to police you know public order. And today, you know, it, it is very much you know focused on uh, facilitating protest. You know, um, and making sure that people, you know, can um... get kettled. <laughs> yeah, no. So, so within um, that is interesting because you, you know, moving towards almost more uh, consensual form of policing, a smarter form of policing, clearly with sort yeah. of trying to uh, policing what, by guile. I, I think actually yeah, Warrington mentioned yeah. it. 
Correct. Uh, up end the line, like yeah, so it's it, yeah, policing by guile and, and yeah. diverting people down particular yeah streets and things like that. Well, well exactly, and, and that's just the kind of debate in public order policing literature at the moment. You know, this whole idea of whether the police are actually uh, strategically facilitating protest. So, so, so they're thinking, well, yes, that they have these rights, you know, and and, and the human rights, you know. Uh, um, where they're able to, you know, gather an assembly and they're, and they're able to, um, you know, express their, 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 their viewpoints. Um, and, and whether that's been strategically facilitated or whether it's been uh, strategically incapacitated. Mm. So you're kind of delimiting the effect of protest by, you know, um, you know in terms of negotiating where uh, a protest can happen. The, yeah. police will ha- the police will call the shots in the sense, well, you can go down there, you, you can go down there but perhaps you can't go down there because... You know of the potential issues it may cause to a business, for example, yeah. or whatever. And, and there are, you know, known examples of where the police have um, kind of facilitated an event. You know, for example, the thing that comes to mind now is uh, Britain First, yeah. where uh, they, as much as you can look at that political party as they are, you know, bizarrely, you know, strangely. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Um, but you can. There's an example where um, they there's a. Um, they wanted a procession, and eventually, they they had it, um, but it was very much restricted in the sense of where they could go, you know, because of the. Uh, I think they were in Luton, uh, although I may be incorrect on that, but um, I think sounds it was, like somewhere it would be. Yeah, I, I, I think it would be in Luton. Um, I think it was in Luton. Yeah, so, so, so basically, uh, they can kind of you know, delimit you know where a person can protest. They can say, well, yeah, you know, you, you know, we're protecting your rights. You know, you're gathering in an assembly. Uh, you know, you're you're um, you're projecting your your viewpoints, mm. but you're doing it under our conditions. Yeah, it's just like a you know a space to where your grievances really isn't it? Most protests. Yeah, now. yeah, it's just um, as you said, it's like a. What will they call it? It's like an outlet for it, but it's, it's or very recruitment well, for political parties. It's very well managed. But what is interesting that people always find weird is that you know that there are people within the people on the protest who will liaise with the police a lot of the time. Mm. They're the ones that have organised it, things like that. Um, That's which, what's supposed to happen. Yeah. It, it doesn't always. Uh, they, they are supposed to um, uh, meet Still, up. It's like. Yeah, they are. They are supposed <laughs> to um, you know have some kind of uh, contact beforehand. You know to to speak about. You know, if there is going to be a procession, then you know, um, by law, supposedly they're supposed, uh, they are um, to contact the police like six days before. Does that completely take out like the the reason the protest? Or, well, but that, that's it's, a, it's not it's not always enforced though. You know, so so the research that I've been doing with, with South Wales Police, um, you know, on, on the various um, pro, the, the recent Trump anti-Trump uh, protest, uh, there was a procession where they marched up and down uh, the main street uh, in Cardiff. Uh, and supposedly they should have notified the police that they were able to do that, but, but they didn't. But it's not as if the police, you know, went in and said, right, you know, you haven't told us yeah. that you were going to do this procession, so a procession, so we're going to arrest Because that is dangerous ground there, isn't it? And, I, mean, yeah. you, I mean, you mm-hmm. can't have this, but can you force it? I mean, to what extent is legislation used in, in that in that sense? You know, is it like, for example, freedom of assembly and... Freedom of expression. Yeah. Freedom of expression, and yeah. but as you said, that the the actual geography, for example, take a city of Cardiff or yeah. London. Is there ever a case where the you know the police can say like, well, you haven't agreed to this, or um, that yeah. you can't, you, you know, that's off limits and things like that. And to what extent? I mean, policing by guile. Yeah. Surely, a lot of that they'll start to be saying like, well, they'll bring in legislation which it, limits where people can actually go. It's 
It's then in the planning beforehand, usually, you know, uh, the, 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 there will be a meeting, uh, you know, the police will kind of use, you know, uh, whether it's open source intelligence, you know, looking on, on Facebook or Twitter, you yeah. know, where you know, protest groups will sort of openly say their, yeah. their, their plans, uh, you know, it, 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 the plans will be sort of be put into place, you know, before the event. But at the actual event, yes, they can use pieces of legislation which can restrict the movement of a, of a uh, procession. Uh, so, so they can use it, but it's used discretionally. Yeah, you know, sometimes if, if you if you're using legislate policing legislation, public order policing legislation to what it actually is, then you're being very very restrictive. Yeah. So you know you kind of have to look at that and balance that with the the whole uh, you know the idea of being able to protest. So how was um, explain to us quickly? I mean, what has happened with I me? Mean, Ketlin has become notorious, isn't it? Yeah. That, was that is that still in place? The use of Ketlin was that sort of like a well, developed as a strategy. One, it, it, it it's commonly known as Catlin. It wouldn't the, the police certainly wouldn't be uh, wouldn't call it uh, Catlin. That they, they call it um, uh, Corralin. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that's a, so so Corralin or Catlin is where yeah. the police basically form a ring around the yeah yeah um, soon, so. <laughs> at, at all costs. It, it would be avoided. Yeah, it, and, 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 and it, it would be considered the very last yeah. uh, resort I mean you kind of think of the kind of historical times when it has been used you know most recently to 2009 you know at, at, at the G um, the G20 uh, there which you know did um, actually uh, um, you know culminate in, in you know thousands of people being held in this confined area for, yeah. for many many hours it's been challenged uh, you know at the very sort of highest level in, 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 the, in the European courts and it's 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 been um, it, it, it's it's a legitimate way, uh, if you like, to um, control a, a, a particular event. As much as you know, it is extremely controversial. You know, and you know, um, I personally, uh, you know, don't like to see it being done. You know, and, and officers that I spoke with in my, in my research uh, are not particularly you know favourable uh, of it. Uh, it's 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 proportionate. You know, if mm-hmm. it's able to restrict the chances of I don't know, danger to life. Yeah. Then it it it, it it's used. But if not, last resort, so then. Very much last resort. Okay, we're going to talk about your, I mean, your specific research now, Mike. So, yeah. why don't you tell us what you've been doing? Yeah. What I mean, what the what the role of it is, that what the sort of what you're doing as a method and things like that. And yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I started my fieldwork research with South Wales Police in September last year. Um, and basically what I'm doing, I, it's case study research with South Wales Police where I'm looking at how um, the, let's say, uh, uh, commanders uh, that uh, you know, communicate with ground officers, uh, you know, I'm basically looking at how they communicate public order to those officers and then I'm observing you know, the, the policing of, of the event. Uh, so, for example, I've been to uh, football events, uh, um, uh, rugby, uh, an Elvis festival in Port Hall. <laughs> they get rowdy. <laughs> the most rowdy, yeah. Most rowdy. A couple of protests. Uh, you know, I mentioned the Trump protest. Uh, I've been to um, an environmental uh, protest at Abathor a couple of weeks back. And um, yeah, it's pretty much just uh, looking at how um, operational bronze officers, uh, you know, uh, police the events, you know, how they communicate uh, in briefings beforehand. And how their grand officers uh, respond to that. Um, 
you know, th th there is this kind of a strategy in place where uh, supposedly the police are facilitating uh, protest, um, and you know that is again supposedly uh, w w what is happening. You know, and um, it it's me, you know, looking at that and seeing, you know, how how it's facilitated basically. So I don't know what how much you can. Obviously, you say you go on ride-alongs and things like that. Yeah. So yeah. you're essentially what, like hanging out, observing the police all day, essentially. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. So, so it's it's, it's observational research at the moment. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with the police. Um, you know, early doors. So, for example, uh, a three o'clock football game. There'll be a police briefing at nine o'clock in the morning. You know, usually at the at the ground in in Cardiff uh, at. Um, when I went to Swansea, uh, it was just outside of the ground. But yeah, so there'll be like um, a a commander's briefing to begin with. So you'll have a what's known as a silver uh, commander there who pretty much um, speaks about uh, tactics or tactical mm. approach with a bronze officer and, and there may be other specialist officers there. So for example, uh, mounted officers or horses um, there may be um, what's known as uh, EGTs or evidence gathering teams, mm -hmm. you know, for any kind of... Taking their photos and things yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, pretty yeah. much taking photos. Uh, forward intelligence teams, which um, have a similar role to evidence gathering teams, but, you know, as the name suggests, forward intelligence teams, uh, that they would uh, gather, you know, intelligence on sort of movements uh, within a crowd. Police liaison officers you have as well, um, more so at protests than at uh, sporting events, you know, who would... Uh, uh, liaise, you know, uh, more so with uh, a protest group, speak with them, you know, about the sort of, you know, uh, sort of concerns, you know, yeah. that are happening on, on the day. Um, and and be there, you know, to pretty much be as a sort of go-between, you know, uh, between uh, the sort of protesters and the police, even though police liaison officers are on the police. <laughs> and then you have to sort of just like melt into the background, like just... I do, yeah, yeah, so I'm kind of... in costume and stuff? <laughs> so I'm, 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 mainly, um, I'm mainly shadowing the bronze operational officer who will who will have that briefing, you know, after the commander's yeah. briefing, he'll, he'll speak with, you know, the various uh, police support units or PSUs, uh, the, the EGTs, the, the FITs, and the, the, the PLTs, some of the acronyms. Um, but uh, so he'll, he'll speak with them and, and, or he or she will speak with them uh, or interestingly enough, you know, I, the, 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 there isn't many female um, bronze uh, officers that, that I've um, that I've shadowed yet. I, I know there are um, bronze uh, c uh, female commanders, but haven't shadowed any yet. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just there, you know, in the briefings. You know, I'm, I'm taking note of how uh, the event is explained to them, uh, and then I'm I'm riding around with with uh, the bronze and his his two uh, sort of companions if you like so so the bronze will have a tactical advisor so it's not just the bronze in making the the sort of decisions you know um, by him or herself uh so the tactical advisor will be there speaking with um with the bronze and also a a logist who will be writing down um it's got some scribe like yeah yeah it's got a slam slam <laughs> so, so he'll be there he'll be there writing down the notes so he or she will be there writing down the notes uh and down. i'll be um Make me sound funny. I'll be, I'll be comparing notes with the loggers because I'm obviously making notes as well. Do you think they do like one-liners and stuff? Just like, I just really make sure that yeah, was it. Put that in. Cut from banana. <laughs> so that's really, I mean, fascinating stuff to see like behind the scenes and how it's uh, it's sort of organised. Particularly important given Wales is well-documented, or at least Cardiff, reliance as an economic strategy mm. of having, hosting massive public events. Yeah. We've had NATO, we've yeah. had 
we host pretty much every sporting event that possibly Cup finals yeah. and to what extent then I mean has that tra- I mean to what extent has South Wales Police is that are they obviously used to you know, well, 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 now, like, actually, well, yeah, it's, you develop expertise. It's, it's funny that you know, just to pick up on on the first bit that you mentioned there. Um, I, I've been on since September, maybe seven, eight observations. Uh, in every single one, all officers are speaking about the Champions League. Yeah, the the Champions League in Cardiff is a huge, huge event. Uh, they've compared. You mentioned NATO. They compared it with NATO in terms of the operation itself, the amount of police. Uh, needed for that, I think the, the draft in um, uh, David Powers Police, uh, as well as well as uh, the British Transport Police. So, so, so they'll they'll have some kind of involvement in the policing of that. But but it, but it's huge. You know, yeah. it, it's it's a huge uh, operation. Uh, it, it will be. You know, it's not just the kind of the football game in itself. There's the kind of the the build up behind it. You know, the kind of you know global significance of it. I think it's, it's the biggest uh, sporting event. Uh, there will be, you know, in, in this year, and it's been uh, staged in Cardiff. So, so the police, in, in, in terms of, in, in terms of their kind of image, you know, that the, they want it to go smoothly. Yeah, yeah. You know, they want it to go smoothly. It will be watched you know, um, by you know, millions of people. Uh, if anything, uh, you know, goes wrong, then yeah. yeah, people will think, well, you know, what happened uh, with the policing of it? Any role? I mean, any role? Does the Welsh government have any role in sort of this? In, in sort of, would you say in? The institutional culture of South Wales Police when it comes to public order policing, or is it just something that develops like informally within? In terms, in terms of the actual Champions League, as as, as far as far as I'm aware, um, the, the the Welsh FA, you know, had had a big uh, sort of say in it. But um, uh, you know, the Welsh government, of course, you know, that the, the, they would be on board with this in the sense that it would be promoting Wales, yeah. very much like very much like NATO. Uh, we choose interesting yeah. ways to promote ourselves. Yeah, yeah. the world's like yeah, NATO. We'll host NATO, and then we get all the NATO tourists in, right? Yeah, all the like a huge pull. Well, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's funny, you know, that that was, you know, that, that, that event was, uh, of course, it's a NATO summit, and it was held uh, in, in Newport and been a bit in Cardiff as well. But uh, yeah, it was used by the Welsh government to kind of promote promote <laughs> Wales. And, Just and like the world's largest, like basically arms dealers and, uh, <laughs> yeah. and, and say war criminals, they to say war criminals, but you know, you like, wrong, but mili- militarists, you know, and we're just like, this is awesome. Yeah. I'm so chuffed that you come to our country, <laughs> come to our little country. Like. To organise murder amongst yourselves. Yeah, and, and you know, I mean, the ring of was it the ring of steel? Or the ring of steel. Yeah, yeah, that, that was put up, uh, you know, outside the castle. Uh, I, I still actually went to get my haircut that day. Yeah. And there's just a, a police officer standing around with an MP5. That's like every 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 time because you're not into sport. I remember when we first started doing this, you'd organise like going to Cardiff with like your girlfriend, and yeah. you wouldn't know about these massive events. Oh, no, no, no. You wouldn't know about these massive events. Right? He's like, oh, I'm going to go to Cardiff later. We we're like, why? It's going to be an absolute lockdown. He's like, well, I'm going to see the Lego Movie. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so how would I mean? So that's going to be the mass, a massive, huge event, huge yeah. deal, obviously. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you, you, you'll see in, in the week building up to that event. You'll you'll certainly notice. You you won't. Have, I doubt you would have the kind of <laughs> the, the the steel fence. You know, you know, a la, uh, NATO. You know, you won't have that. But but you'll you'll notice. You know, a high uh, police yeah. uh, presence, mainly because of what it is. You know, and and again, referring back to the research, a lot of what is said in the briefings. As much as the event may be a kind of you know, moderate to low risk event, they'll always mention the kind of uh, terrorist uh, risk mm. and the kind of the very you know the very high levels 
uh, a risk we have associated with with terrorism and, and of course you know the Champions League uh, could be something which um, you know can be seen as a an, an event which is attractive to terrorists. It's fa- well the whole thing's fascinating, especially given what Hugh and Rob said about you know if we do ever have devolution of sort of these you know, competencies which allows the Welsh government to have more control over elements of the police, it'll be interesting to see whether or not that's something they just mm-hmm. leave, leave because this expertise in public order has sort yeah. of been built up already mm-hmm. or it'll be interesting to see whether they change it. Right, I thought it was absolutely brilliant. Mike, yeah, awesome. any shout outs? Uh, yeah, I'm going to give a shout out to um, a mutual friend, Mike Morgan. Morgan, boy. Keep, on, ra- keep on rapping. Legs, boy. <laughs> live, live the dream. <laughs> All right. Nathan Sharks. Uh Yeah, I need a shout out to Robocop. It's a really good film. Oh, yeah, good film. 1980s one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Wolf from Gladiators. Found out at the age of 60, he's um, a cage fighter. Oh, wait. Yeah, beating, you know, uh, man up half his age. He was a good uh, a good character on Gladiators, he was, isn't he? He yeah. almost didn't get it as well. He was like a he was like a British Wolverine, wasn't he? Yeah, excellent, excellent, excellent shout outs both. Um, shout out to everyone, normal Graham, Joe, up to these my family. Oh, I've just been same old, isn't it? Just uh, living in a sitcom. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> chilling. Saw the film. The oh, I can't remember what it's called. The um, the the Wilders people. The one about in oh, with uh, Sam Neill's in that, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, Did actually. you realise it's Sam Neill? Yeah. I didn't. I made because he's really good uh, New Zealand accent, wasn't he? He is New Zealand. Sam Neill is? Yeah. Did not know that. All <laughs> oh, right. Anyway. Well, he's got a really good accent in Jurassic Park. Fantastic film. You should all watch it. Uh, yeah. The same director did what we did do in The Shadows, which is absolutely brilliant. Oh, okay. Check right. it out on Netflix. Right. Thanks all for listening. Thanks for bumping us. We're slowly growing. We're growing exponentially on Twitter and on Facebook. So keep... 140 likes keep on retweet, Facebook. Keep retweeting us. Keep, uh, we'll be putting reading material for this episode. So, yeah, keep listening. Keep promoting us. Thanks very much, guys. Right. Cheers. Bye. Bye. How you doing? Uh, hi, how, how are you? I'm good. good. I'm good. You moving in soon? Pardon me? They've been loitering on this corner for the last 20 minutes like you own the goddamn place. I, I don't think I follow Oh, yeah? You. Don't get cute with me, pal. I will jam you up so hard, I will jam you from morning until night. You want to get jammed up? No. Huh? You like getting jammed up? No. No. I, I didn't think so. Good. Now give me that wallet. Here. Let's go. Come on. All right. What we got here? Time to hit the ATM, huh? All right, so I have five hot dogs. I want you to mash one of them up in a bowl. Put some milk or some water, you know. Mash it up nice and good, but, you know, four regulars, five hot dogs all together. Look, I'm sorry, Lieutenant, but no more free hot dogs. I mean, look, I mean, maybe if it was just you, I could swing it. But it's you, your partner, and now I'm feeding your cat? Look, I just can't wait, afford wait, wait, it. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Sorry. Hold, hold on. Hold on. Oh, where are hot dogs? He won't cough up the hot dogs. What? This goddamn cat is screwing up everything. We got to get rid of the cat, Dennis. Tough titties, pal. I'm not getting rid of the cat. Tough titties? Yes. Tough titties. I mean, this, Dennis, this thing with the cat is going too far. Look, I'm putting my foot down. It's going to be either the cat or me. Okay, I choose the cat. All right, then I'm taking the badge. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. What are you doing? Are you crazy, Frank? Get out of here. Hey, I bought that badge. I bought this uniform and I bought that cop car. I don't give a shit. I'm going to tell you something, buddy. Your days as a cop in this town are over. You and that mangy cat. <laughs>